Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org friendshipwithgod.org or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. So I go through the exercise of forget not all the items, but it's an itemization. It's an itemization. And when it says in verse two, forget not all his benefits, it's calling us to remember all of God's benefits to us. Now, why do we have to do that, forgetting all of his benefits? Because we forget. We have a problem. We have a disease called forgetfulness. That's our problem. We just tend to overlook the mean ha'aretz, you know, that God makes food to come out of the dirt. So David challenges us to itemize. Itemize each of God's benefits and don't forget them. And when we do itemize each benefit and give thanks for them, then we give God thanks for him to put in his harvest basket. When we could ask the question, who's the greatest saint in the world? We ask God, who's the greatest saint in the world? It's not the one who prays the most and fasts the most. It's not the one who gives the most. It's not the one who wins the most souls. It's not the one who's the most patient and the most holy. The greatest saint is the one who's the most thankful and the most praising to God, and the most worshipful. That's what he meant when he says, the hour cometh now in when the true worshipers shall worship the Father in the Spirit and the truth, for the Father seeketh such to worship him. So how would we itemize? How would we itemize all the good benefits that God gives to us? What are the benefits that we are not to forget? What's on the list? We've got it. The first item on the list, verse three, who forgiveth, all thine iniquities. The first word is who. Who forgiveth? When we read the word who, we ask the question who. <laughs> all right? It's very elementary. Who is the person who forgave all our sins? The Bible is clear as to who the person is that forgives our sins. The person who forgives all our sins is the Lord Jesus Christ. Because it says in Matthew 9, 6, that ye may know, Matthew 9, 6, that ye may know that the Son of Man hath power on earth to forgive sins. It says in Acts 5, 31, him, the Lord Jesus Christ, hath God exalted with his right hand to be a prince and a savior for to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. Colossians 3, 13, for bearing one another and forgiving one another, if any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you. He forgave sins as Jehovah Jesus when he said in Isaiah 43, 25, Isaiah 43, 25, I, even I, am he that blotteth out thy transgressions for mine own sake and will not remember thy sins. And when we read who 
in Psalm 103.3, who forgiveth all thine iniquities, we are drawn to the fact that it was the Lord Jesus Christ who forgave all our sins. And then the next word is forgiveth, and that brings us to the question, how? How are we forgiven? And here the Bible's clear. It explains to us how our sins are forgiven when it says in Psalm 32.1, Psalm 32.1, blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is he unto whom the Lord imputeth not iniquity and whose spirit there's no guile. Our transgression is forgiven by being covered. The ark in the tabernacle was a wonderful place where man met God. But inside the ark, inside the ark were the Ten Commandments. And the Ten Commandments are very bad news for man. (laughs) The gospel is very good news for man. The Ten Commandments are very bad news for man because the Ten Commandments are our crime sheet. The Hebrew in the Ten Commandments is very severe. You know, it all starts with low, low, low. Most of them, no, 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 no. And that's not at all like it sounds in the English, so gentle and almost suggestive. Thou shalt not. Thou shalt not. It's not like thou shalt not. And okay, that sounds like a good idea. Maybe why not? No, it's no. And that drives us. When you read that, when you see that, no, 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 you cover your head for protection. You're in a firestorm. You know, if I ever put up a copy of the Ten Commandments someplace, I'm going to put right next to it Psalm 103.3, who forgiveth all thine iniquities. <laughs> but in the ark, there was the Ten Commandments. In the place where God meets man was man's crime sheet. But over those Ten Commandments was the lid of the ark, and by the lid of the ark were the horns of the ark, and those horns were covered with blood. We are forgiven by having our sins covered with the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed is the man unto whom the Lord imputeth not iniquity. The word imputeth is chashav, and it's the same word translated as counted about Abraham. He believed in the Lord. He counted it to him for righteousness. Chashav means weave. When we described before, Betzliel Ocholiab, when they wove the curtain for the tabernacle and they wove in those colored threads, they were chashaving, chashaving, chashaving. And when God forgives our sin, he takes, a, he takes our sin out of the weave of our person so that he no longer sees our sins woven into us, but instead he sees the righteousness of the Lord Jesus Christ woven into us, as he states in 1 Corinthians 1.30, 1 Corinthians 1.30. But of him are ye in Christ Jesus, who is made unto us. Now, I'm sure if it was in the Hebrew, you would say chashav, woven into us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification redemption. He forgives us by Isaiah 42, 22. Isaiah 44, 22. I have blotted out as a thick cloud thy transgressions and as a cloud thy sins. Return to me, I have redeemed thee. He blots out our transgression just like you take an eraser and he erases them. He forgives our sin by paying the debt for our sins in Colossians 1.14, Colossians 1.14, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. It's so wonderful that we are just forgiven. That's such a great word, forgiven. You know, there was a soldier who was a deserter in the English army under the Iron General, the Duke of Wellington. And he was about, the Duke of Wellington was about to pronounce the death sentence on this confirmed deserter. But he was deeply moved about it. 
And so the great, the Duke of Wellington then, he turned to the soldier's comrades and he said, I'm extremely sorry to pass this severe sentence, but we've tried everything and all the discipline, all the penalties have failed to improve this man who's otherwise, he's a brave and a good soldier. And then the Duke of Wellington, he turns the man's comrades, his friends, and he says, I'm giving you one last opportunity to speak in defense of this man about to be sentenced to die. And there was one soldier, there was one comrade there, and he was so disturbed that his friend was about to be put to death that he spoke out and he said, please, your excellency, there's one thing you've never tried. And the general said to him, what's that? And the soldier's friend said, you've not tried forgiving him. <laughs> and the general forgave him. And it worked. And the soldier, again, he, he never deserted again. And he used his life to show his gratitude to the Duke of Wellington. That's what God did for us in this psalm. This is what God tried for us in verse 3. Who forgiveth all thine iniquities. Then the word, the next word in Psalm 103.3. All. It's, it's as all of our, he forgives all our iniquities, not just the worst ones, but all of them, every last one, he forgives them all. Then it's the word thine, thine iniquities. That drives it home to us. That's personal. It's, we, those are the ones we are 100% responsible for, which is all of them. He became our personal savior when he saved us from our personal sins. He forgave us of our sins, what we have done what we did, and it drives home that no one can be saved unless they own up to the fact that he is responsible and him alone for the horrible acts and thoughts and words that he is worthy of being sent to hell for for all eternity without the possibility of parole. So the benefit who forgiveth all thine iniquities, that's foundational to the rest of all the benefits that are itemized below. And the question is, are you sure You've been forgiven. As you sit here right now in this room, are you sure you've been forgiven? Do you have the peace in your soul of a pardoned life? Can you personally itemize this blessing on your list of being forgiven in your life? Because without forgiveness, nothing else can follow on the list. If you're not forgiven, it's not because God doesn't want you to be forgiven. He wants you to be forgiven. He wants every person to be forgiven. There is no block in heaven or earth that's keeping anyone from being forgiven. Forget about predestination of who's gonna be saved. God wants everyone to be forgiven as he stated in 1 Timothy 2.4, who will have all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. 2 Peter 3.9, God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Now, the next benefit is itemized on the list, is not to be forgotten, is in verse three, who healeth all thy diseases. You know, the first tendency we think when we look at this, we say, oh, who healeth all thy diseases. Oh yeah, he heals, let's see, diabetes and arthritis and cancer. And I have a lot of other lists here. Well, well, the thought of sicknesses in the body, it's not entirely absent from this statement. The main thought here of the sicknesses of the soul the moral sicknesses. When we sin, we contract a moral sickness of defilement. We said earlier, the sin of adultery is not just a sin against God. It brings a moral sickness of the soul of defilement. As God said in Leviticus 18.20, Moreover, thou shalt not lie currently with thy neighbor's wife to defile thyself with her. 
I'm convinced there are sex demons that drive people into the moral sickness of defilement, and those sex demons are working overtime today, pushing people into the sins of soul defilement, into the diseases of soul defilement. That moral sickness of the soul defilement is serious as it turns people away from God. But when it says, who healeth all thy diseases, the healing is referring primarily to the diseases of the soul, moral defilement. And when we as believers sin, we contract that disease also of moral defilement. And a great benefit is that the Lord heals us of all of our moral defilements as promised in 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to go on cleansing us from all unrighteousness. See, that verse contains both parts. Psalm 103, forgiveth all thine iniquities, faithful and just to forgive us all our sins, healeth all our diseases, and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. When he healeth all our diseases, he restoreth our soul, as it says in Psalm 23.3. How wonderful to know that the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, God's son, goes on cleansing us and restoring us as we walk in the light of obedience. What a wonderful benefit for the problem of moral diseases, of defilement, to be this one in verse three, who healeth all thy diseases. Next item on the list, Next item on the list of our benefits is four. Who redeemeth thy life from destruction. Literally, this reads, who purchases your life from destruction. The word redeemer, redeemer, the word redeem, is the same word as we saw Naomi explain to Ruth about Boaz. The man is near kin to us. He's one of our near kinsmen. He's our goel. That's the word here. When it says in this verse, in Psalm 103, 4, that God redeems our life, life from destruction, the Hebrew word for destruction is shachat, shachat. And that word for destruction is very graphic because it comes from the root shuach, which means to put down. For example, when you put down an animal, that's the word, shuach. My grandfather was a shoket, shoket, for the Jewish community in Petersburg, Virginia, which meant that he was the one, he was the only one in the Jewish community who came, you know, when the, when the housewife would buy the chicken, he called my grandfather a shoket, he would come, slaughter the chicken. Slaughter. He slaughtered animals. The shoket is one who puts down animals by slaughtering them. Hell is the, in the Bible is described by this word, shachat, it's destruction. For a person to not have their sins forgiven by the Lord Jesus Christ, and to die and to be cast into hell, that's the ultimate destruction where everything they have worked for in life comes crashing down to a shachat destruction. Family is destroyed in the ultimate shachat of hell. Friendships are destroyed in the ultimate shachat of hell. Fortune and possessions are destroyed in the ultimate shachat of hell. Happiness, satisfaction, same thing. Protection, safety, shelter, all destroyed in the ultimate shachat of hell. Health, well-being, peace, freedom from pain, all destroyed in the ultimate shachat of hell. Everything we think of of life is destroyed in the ultimate shachat of hell. But the most terrible part about the destruction of the ultimate shachat of hell is that there's one thing that's not destroyed in the ultimate shachat of hell, and that's being Being is not destroyed. Consciousness is not destroyed. Memory is not destroyed. 
Death is not destroyed, and that results in the indescribable state of eternal suffering and torment and agony in this continuing state of the ultimate destruction of shakat of hell. And we're to think about that. We're to think about this and put it on the item list. Put it on the item list of benefits not to forget. Redeemeth thy life from shakat. He purchases our life from shakat, the ultimate destruction of hell. And what does God use for purchasing our, or buying our life back? 1 Peter 1.18, 1 Peter 1.18, for as much as you know, you were not redeemed with corruptible things of silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish, without spot, who redeemeth thy life from destruction, redeemed with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish, without spot. Next item, don't forget on the next item, the list of benefits who crowneth thee with loving kindness and tender mercies. The loving kindness of the Lord is spoken of as a crown that God puts on our head. A crown is seen by others. It's joy, it's happiness that we have when we think about what the Lord Jesus Christ has done for us. Others see it. David said so in Psalm 40, verse three. He had put a new song in my heart in my mouth, even praise unto our God. Many shall see it, fear, and shall trust in the Lord. There's only one word to describe why God saved us from our sins. It's loving kindness, chesed, loving kindness. Not just loving kindness, but a chesed, which is a wonderful blend of loving kindness and kindness. If you see the Hebrew word for tender mercies, the next word there, tender mercies, that's the word racham. The same word rechem means the womb, like the bowels, the center of you. It's the very center of a person. That's why racham means compassion. It, it's a feeling that hits you right in the core. You know, like an emotion that's so strong it makes you double over in pain. I remember when I told a friend that our mutual friend had just killed his wife and his son and his dog and then himself. When I told my friend that, he doubled over and let out this wailing cry. That's the meaning behind the word racham. And that's the meaning of the word that's translated tender mercies in Psalm 103, verse 4. At the end of verse 4, it's like God, when he says, Racham, he said, I have a feeling that would make me double over in pain at my core when I think of the shakat destruction. It means that when God thinks of the shakat or the ultimate destruction of an eternity in hell from dying unforgiven, it makes God Racham. It makes him double over in the pain of compassion. And that drives God to show this incredible loving kindness of forgiveness. What's the next item? The next item on the list. Don't forget this. It says in Psalm 105, who satisfieth thy mouth with good things so that thy youth is renewed like the evils. What's referred to in the satisfying the mouth with the good things are the good things that we speak that satisfy the soul. It helps us understand what it means by using the example of eating good things, which of course I love. And so all this last week, I've been experimenting with cooking yellow squash, right? On Tuesday, I served it to Ed Gross, probably why he's sick today. <laughs> I served him one of my early experience, experiments with the yellow squash. and wasn't that great, but he said it was wonderful. But on Thursday, I hit the jackpot. Oh, it was so good. A sauce of a very strong, sweet garlic and a late harvest mission olive oil base. And, and I just used one teaspoon and lightly fried that yellow squash ribbons and with a little bit of salt and pepper. And when I ate that, I just sat back in the chair and said, wow. And I thought, this is so good. I didn't need anything else. I just wanted the flavor to linger. 
You know that garlic? It was very good. That night, I had a dream. I was in a meeting, of, and we were in a round table at Grossmont Hospital, and others kept handing me sticks of gum. <laughs> Psalm 103.5. God satisfies your mouth with good things. But the good things that satisfy our mouth is described in Psalm 63.5. Psalm 63.5. My soul shall be satisfied as with marrow and fatness, and my mouth shall praise thee with joyful lips. When our mouth praises God, it satisfies our soul. And that's also called the fruit of our mouth, the fruit of our mouth, because it's the fruit that God puts in his harvest basket. See, Proverbs 12, 14, a man shall be satisfied with good by the fruit of his mouth. Proverbs 18, 20, a man's belly shall be satisfied with the fruit of his mouth, and with the increase of his lips shall he be filled. And then what happens when we are thankful and we're praising God, as it says there, in verse five, who satisfieth thy mouth with good things, so that thy youth is renewed like the eagles. It rejuvenates our soul. Eagle is called up here as an example. You know, did you know that it takes an eagle five years to develop into adulthood? And during that time, the eagle goes through a number of changes in its feathers, from the down feathers to getting stronger feathers, the feathers they change in color. It's really something. And an eagle, every time he gets a new set of feathers, he becomes better and better in flight in the sky. The old feathers are replaced by the new feathers, and he becomes stronger. As we thank and praise the Lord, then our strength is in God, and we're described in Psalm 84, 5, Psalm 84, 5, blessed is the man whose strength is in thee. They go from strength to strength. Just like the eagle grows from strength to strength. In Isaiah 40, verse 31, Isaiah 40, 31, they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength they shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary, walk and not faint. Counting our blessings, that's what we're talking about. Itemization here is counting our blessings. Counting our blessings is more than just mouthing words or saying prayers. It's an engagement of our souls. It's all that is within us. It's our minds thinking. It's our emotions. It's our wills to decide and change our lives to live for him. It's to think of and not forget who God is by his attribute, by attribute, by attribute in his wonderful nature. It's to think and not forget what he has done item by item to benefit us. We will never come to the end of this counting process. We'll never get there. You know, our father and his little girl one time were walking together. It was a clear night. The little girl said, Father, I'm gonna count the stars. And so the father heard her count, you know, one, two, and he finally, she gets to 225. And then she says, oh, dear, I had no idea there were so many. <laughs> I don't think I can count them all. Father says, the stars are like God's benefits to us. He showers us with so many benefits every day, we can't count them all. Psalm 103 is the history of one person's revival. And, and when he's mustering all that is within him to bless God's holy name and forget not all of his benefits. And it shows how he has become a thankful and a praising person. That's what we see in the life of Naomi as she springs into these blessings in verse 19. Blessed be he that did take knowledge of thee. In verse 20, blessed be he of the Lord who hath not left off his kindness to living to the dead. This is the revival of Naomi. This is her turning from the complaining Naomi of chapter one to the thanking and praising Naomi of chapter two. That's what we need to follow. So let's, this week, 
determine within ourselves, that's going to be me. Psalm 103, I'm going to bless the Lord. I'm going to say to my soul, up, engage, oh, my soul, every part of me to bless God's holy name and to forget not all his benefits. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for showing us from this psalm the beauty of revival, reviving us, and we do pray, Lord, revive us to be a thankful and a praising people in Jesus' name. Amen. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org, or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. Do you believe God created the earth? Do you believe God created you in his image? Then come celebrate Museum Day at the Creation and Earth History Museum in Santee, California on Saturday, November 4th from 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. Museum Day is a Christian family festival event with life-size dinosaurs, games, rides, contest prizes, fair food, vendor booths, petting zoos, live animal encounters, and super science experiments for kids, along with world-renowned speakers Tom Cantor, Eric Hoven, David Reeves, Russ Miller, Kevin Conover, Dr. John Baumgartner, and more. Free admission to the museum and all speaking engagements for you and your family and entire church family are free. The Creation and Earth History Museum is located off of Highway 67 and Woodside Avenue in Santee next to the Santee Drive-In. So bring your family and friends on Saturday, November 4th from 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. and strengthen your faith at Museum Day. For more information, call us at 619-599-1104 or creationsd.org, creationsd.org.